show. Welcome to G.I. Joe Outpost. I am Jim the Joe Junkie Meal, and I will be your guide on a journey where we will explore all aspects of the G.I. Joe brand. We'll be going year by year, beginning in 1982, the Real American Hero Era, or ARA for short, and continue exploring to the current day. We will include Sergeant Savage, Extreme, the O-Ring releases of the late 90s, the New Sculpt Era, Sigma 6, 25th Anniversary, Modern Sculpt, and Classified. Each year we'll have a show that highlights the toys, the comic books, and the cartoons. We'll also be spotlighting creators, merchandising, licensed items, and any other items that I find interesting along the way. But before we get too far in, I want to dig into my past briefly on how my Joe origin story unfolded. Now, back to G.I. Joe. I was aware of the new Joes coming out in 1982 but I didn't start collecting until around 84, 85. Around that time, I began getting figures and vehicles as gifts for birthdays and Christmas. At this time, I was watching the cartoon, obtaining vehicles and figures along the way. Of course, during this time, my brother George also was obtaining vehicles and figures, so sometimes our collections would blend together. And at times, there were disagreements on whose was whose. Just about the time I was getting out of the toys and the Sunbow cartoons... I was introduced to the comic book. I knew that the comic book existed due to the commercials, but never got into them until a family vacation down to Florida. Our mom bought three G.I. Joe comic books for my brother and I to read. These issues were number 88 of the main title, where the Python Patrol was introduced, and issues number 21 and 22 of Special Missions. I know that I read these issues many, many times during this vacation. I was hooked immediately after reading these issues. So much so that I picked up a few more issues at a flea market bookstore while on the trip. So I began picking up the title each month and looking for back issues. As with most of us, I got out of the collecting as I got older and started a family, but I kept a close eye on what was going on. Just didn't jump back in hard until 2010 to 2012. That is when I began collecting figures and vehicles again. And now I'm sitting in what I call the outpost filled with shelves of my completed vehicles and figures and totes of vehicle shells and parts waiting to be completed or used for customizing projects. So with all the fine print, the details, and introduction out of the way, let's start with what we are really here for. It's hard to determine if the toy line would have been successful as it was if it wasn't for the comics and the commercials, which evolved into the cartoons. Was the combination of the three the perfect storm? Did they feed off of each other and increase the other's success? The commercials and the cartoons were made to sell the comics and the toys. The toys sold as well as they did because of of the success of the comics, commercials, and cartoons. They are all intertwined and each important to the success of G.I. Joe. So let's break down each of these areas pre-1982. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Where to begin with how the ARA figures and vehicles came to be. I want to focus on some of what made the action figures and vehicles stand out from the rest of the toys on the shelf at the time. G.I. Joe was in response to Kenner's huge success with the three and three quarter Star Wars figures, but Hasbro went beyond the design of the five points of articulation of the Star Wars figures. They added knees and elbow joints for better play, which many kids, including myself, were swayed by this improved articulation. The Joe figures also included more accessories with them, which was a key point when trying to convince your parents to buy a new toy. 
Many of the figures and vehicles were rooted or based on some sort of real-world military equipment. And the package art, where do we begin with that? It was the best. It would grab your attention and wouldn't let go. The front and the back art, the file cards, the cross-sells were innovative and something that became an industry standard. During the toy episodes, we were going to discuss how some of this changed over the years. We're going to discuss new vehicles and figures for that year. My guests and I will give our top three favorite figures and vehicles and what we would consider the craziest toy that came out that year. And of course, anything else that comes up, stories, how we obtained some of these, and what we remember about them. What's in store for G.I. Joe? Find out in Marvel Comics. As the toys were in development at Hasbro, they approached Marvel to create a comic book to coincide with the launch of the toy line. And if you've listened to any interviews or panels that included Larry Hama, you know the story that he was the last person that was asked to write the G.I. Joe comic. Not because he was the first one to say yes. He was literally the last person in the Marvel office. There were some perfect storm moments in the creation of the comic book. Larry was getting ready to pitch a story idea called Fury Force, which would include Nick Fury's son leading a team to fight terrorists and other enemies. Larry was able to evolve many of these characters into characters in the G.I. Joe comic book. Larry created dossiers so that he could keep track of who was who, including the character's file name, rank, MOS, secondary MOS, and backstory. When the people at Hasbro found out about these, they decided to include them on the packaging, and they became the file cards. Larry would continue to write these for many years. And let's not forget legendary artist Herb Trimp, who worked on the book throughout the first year, and his realistic art style that attracted many kids and adults to the book. It fit Larry's writing very well. So the book evolved over the 12 years that Marvel was producing it. We're going to share some thoughts on how it changed by discussing the following points. Briefly discuss the storylines for that year, New characters that were introduced, characters that made the ultimate sacrifice, characters that contributed during the year, and my guests and I will highlight our favorite storyline or moment of that year. We're also going to discuss other comics that the Joes were in, including G.I. Joe Extreme, Devil's Due, IDW, even the Transformers crossovers. Let's not forget the 3D titles and other minor appearances that people don't realize the Joes were in. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. So in 1983, about a year after the Toys and the Comics had been out, was the first G.I. Joe cartoon miniseries, which exponentially increased the number of kids and adults that were exposed to the brand. But this wasn't the first time that the Joes were animated. The Toys and the Comics had different styles of commercials, but both had animation. These commercials evolved into what would become the Sunbow miniseries, And due to the popularity of these miniseries, Sunbow moved forward with two seasons and an animated movie. Then there was a short break, and DIC, or Deke, completed a miniseries and two seasons of their own. In the mid-90s, there was Extreme. In the early to mid-2000s, there was a few one-shot directed DVDs, Sigma-6, Resolute, and then there was Renegades, a series that ended too quickly and we will discuss all of these as well as anything else that we dig up along the way. With the large number of Sumbo cartoons that were released, we will begin discussing these episodes in the first cartoon episode, covering about 10 to 15 episodes. This will allow us to give appropriate amount of attention to each episode. We will announce the episodes that will be covered on the next cartoon episode so that you can follow along, unless, of course, you are like many of us Joe fans and have the episodes memorized already. 
So my guests and I will analyze our favorite episodes. We'll give a brief description of each of the episodes that we're going to highlight. We're going to cover the craziest episode and the most significant episode. We'll also be discussing some, some of the creators of the cartoons as well. Above and beyond the toys, comics, or cartoons were all of the merchandise and peripheral items that were created over the years. We'll discuss these items and break down how this fits into the merchandising and the overall brand recognition of G.I. Joe. Some of these items are puzzles, catalogs, vehicle blueprints, insert advertisements, birthday supplies, Halloween costumes, video games, magazines, lunchboxes, food items, and anything else that we can dig up that doesn't really fit into the main three segments. Now, it's going to be difficult to cover everything for each year, but we'll do our best to highlight as much as we can. Simply put, we're just fans of G.I. Joe that are wanting to learn more about a brand that we enjoy and want to share with others and get our stories out. Everybody's got a story about G.I. Joe, and maybe yours is similar to ours, maybe not, but it'll be fun to know what's out there. You can find me on Facebook as Jim Meal, M-I-E-L, or on Twitter at Jim the Joe Junkie. Thank you for listening to Episode 0 of G.I. Joe Outpost. Please join us next time for Episode 1, where we will begin discussing the vehicles and figures of 1982. Until next time, dismissed. <laughs>